welcome 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 to another episode of the two bros podcast we are two bros this is the two bros podcast welcome again in this episode we will review the game week 7 of the english premier league and we'll do a quick preview of the champions league which is coming up brother i'm welcoming you yet again as a victorious and a more joyful kind of a spectator and for this game week how does how do you feel uh, how did that game week turn out for you i'm a bit relieved to be honest arsenal have broken the hoodoo of not having an away win in a long time and a 14 year jinx at old trafford so i'm relieved but i'm not overjoyed you know this was a tentative victory it mm-hmm. was two hasbins you know sparring to get one up over the other so that they can get to somewhere a little bit special so there was no joy really had that the victory was if anything it, there was a marginal sigh of relief and that was that so i tell you what over the last few years ever since uh, sir alex has retired and with the coming of moyes vangal uh Mourinho and now uh, Solskjaer every before the start of every game the commentators present you with these stats right something like Swansea hasn't won at Old Trafford for the last 22 years or Burnley hasn't beaten United twice in a season since I don't know 1978 and every single time they mention one of those stats United end up losing and the minute they said Arsenal have not won at Old Trafford for the last 14 years I'm like you know what I think it's going to go this time and well there you go three points to Arsenal at Old Trafford but because that was the game of the week why don't we begin with that and uh, spend some time discussing that game definitely now very interestingly we were uh, texting over the over the week in fact uh, just yesterday we were texting about the game and you had some good insights about united and i had some good insights about arsenal now the thing is when you're a fan of your own club you do tend to criticize a little bit but i had all nothing but positives for arsenal and you had uh let's say some words of encouragement for a particular united uh, striker in the name of marcus rashford you had some good words to say about him so let's begin there uh what do you think arsenal did right in this in this match so arsenal harried united very well mm-hmm. i think uh, the midfield got found out because these guys are not natural ball players uh in fred and mctominay you've got guys who can win you the ball and possibly pass it sideways but you don't have a ball carrying midfielder now those guys are pogba and fernandes but eventually those guys were uh, harried and hustled out of the game yeah so that is one thing that i think arsenal did very well mm-hmm. i think the full backs or should i say the modified wing backs had a very good game mm-hmm. uh, bellerin in particular uh, even the game down the right flank of course much of arsenal is now built on the left side where saka and tierney are linking up very well but I have a word a positive word really about Van Bissaka. Mhm. And Van Bissaka I think uh, is a very good covering right back. He's one of the better ones that you've had in a long long time. And um another positive like you mentioned was Marcus Rashford. I think his movement uh is very very good. He drew some fouls out of Gabriel and Holding uh and he got both of them on a yellow card. Um uh, eventually he was you know isolated for a long part of the game but whatever glimpse 
sport. They were very encouraging. It tells me that this is one guy who is top class in your squad. Definitely. No argument there. And I completely agree with you. Uh, like I had uh, predicted in the last uh, game week uh, preview that we had done, the battle for this match is going to be won in the midfield. And uh, even though this game was uh, heading towards a goalless draw, you know, you could tell that it's pretty much the United-Chelsea game. A lot of firepower, but not enough fireworks. But uh, for instance, uh, I think El Nene and uh, Thomas Partey completely bossed it. I mean, we United lost the ball so many times. I think for the first 20 minutes, we were just in our own half. Uh, and yeah, we, we really struggled. And I remember there was a point where uh, Rashford got the ball somewhere near the half line and Gabriel you know just completely hustled him and he he uh, you know pulled in a tackle or two or maybe won the ball back and uh, you know just didn't let the the players settle no i was listening to the post match uh, you know interviews this is an interesting point of view yeah now about the the post match interview i think paul scholes was particularly harsh i don't think united were really uh, poor according to him but i think it's the it's not that united were poor it's that arsenal was set up so very well and i think uh, arteta delivered uh, a bit of a masterclass to be honest now we have seen from the past season and an ole gunnar solskjaer team tends to do well when uh, you know they break on the counter when teams are you know kind of exposed and we need just need that one uh, you know one pass by bruno fernandes or paul pogba to find marcus rashford or uh, in this case mason greenwood and then uh, it's a shot on goal which we which we kind of did but not only did arsenal attack they also defensively they were really well uh, you know they had a good position they had a good shape to themselves they really uh, restricted and i think united uh, were in the game let's say at the beginning of the second half they had a few chances and they looked like they were going to come back into the game but uh, yeah it, it it kind of fell short and i think uh, parte and elene did really well compared to what uh, McTominay and Fred delivered for for United. Well, that's an interesting perspective. And like you said, you know, when we see games as fans, we tend to pick on deficiencies of our own team. But it is a very interesting point of view to be able to see what the other team did well. So, much as I have praise for Van Bissaka and Rashford, I must say that uh, your lad Greenwood, He's got potential, yeah. but I think it's too early for him to sort of shoulder any responsibility. And, you know, it would be unfair to see Greenwood as some sort of a sip. I mean, he'll give you the 8 or 10 goals for the season, but that that is pretty much all you should expect from him at this, you know, at this point. Uh, he got that one shot on target. And uh, honestly, that was the pass of the match yeah. by Rashford. Yeah. But apart from that, Greenwood struggled fairly uh, and rightly so. A couple of critiques that I have are that, yes, Fred and McTominay are not ball-carrying midfielders. But I think even in their work rate, they were outworked by El Nenny and by Partey. Uh, In particular, I remember that there was this point where McTominay had the ball and he just, I think his instinct is to look to the side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that always worries me. If in the modern game, a, a midfielder's instinct is to look to his left or right, you're not going to get much out of that guy. Yeah. Yep, I agree with you there. And uh, then let's talk about the penalty incident. I mean, it was, uh, in my opinion, a totally unnecessary uh, tackle by Pogba. Bellerin was heading nowhere. In fact, he was heading away from uh, the goal towards the right of the box and uh, Pogba coming in uh, from an acute angle stuck you know sticks out a leg 
and uh, some would say Bellerin made the most of it but yeah it was a penalty all day long no arguments there even Paul Pogba knew it a, a bit of an unnecessary challenge and uh, I, I'm pretty sure this game was heading for a, for a goalless draw and like we had said earlier a draw would have been uh, fine with the, both the teams but now United have lost again at Old Trafford now something very worrying about their home form which which kind of makes uh, doesn't make any sense to me you know Pogba needs to be dropped. You know, yeah. let's let's say it. Yeah. I think uh, towards the latter half of last season when Fernandez played by himself, the team was doing much better. Uh, so maybe you need, uh, you know, Matic to play. Maybe you need to have McTominay for his, you know, let's say his energy and Matic for his ability to play through the ranks and get the ball to the front three. And you need Fernandez playing as a pivot. Maybe that's the formation that will get the best out of United. So one of the points that uh, Paul, I think it was a it was a straightforward penalty. Yeah, one of the uh, there was a there was a stamp on Bellerin, mm. and uh, even while a stamp doesn't trip you up necessarily, it it hurts. Yeah, and I can say that from uh, personal research. Yeah. No, one of the things uh, Paul Scholes mentioned in his uh, post-match interview was that United defenders don't need two midfielders as as a as a cover. Now, if you do that, you're losing uh, a, a player. You know, if if you deploy two defensive midfielders, and then you know, I mean, you've spent eighty million on Maguire and Lindelof is he starts for the Swedish national team. I mean, these guys they're not uh, you know novice defenders. They've been in the game for a while. And deploying two uh, defensive midfielders as cover, then you're really compromising on your in your uh, you know your your attack. And uh, United, apart from uh, you know one or two chances, didn't really have anything. And to be honest, and Bruno Fernandez was subbed off. Uh, a, a bit of a question mark in my opinion. Where you know when it comes to Solskjaer's uh, tactics in this case, I really hope that Pogba would come off because Fernandez was still creating some chances. But Fernandez was off. And uh, apart from that, there was nothing. There was no service for Ashford and Greenwood. They tried a few things. It obviously didn't work because United, because Arsenal were positioned so well defensively. This just uh, they just read uh, the plan uh, completely. And uh, I would say three points well deserved for Arsenal. I'm quite uh, quite uh, impressed with Arteta's tactics, to be honest. I think on the balance of it, Arsenal deserve to win. Uh, finishing for Arsenal has been uh, their weak area. In fact, not just finishing, but chances created. You know, that's why I said that by when the whistle sounded, I wasn't overjoyed or anything. Because to be honest, Arsenal were the better squad, but they didn't look like scoring yeah. until they got the penalty. I mean, William uh, is an industrious player. I think his flair and creativity were always second or even third to Hazard and uh, Pedro in the in that Chelsea squad. So you're not gonna get creativity out of him. And much like you know, United were criticized for playing two holding midfielders, Arsenal could be looked at askance for playing Elneny and Pate and then putting William up front and Lacazette. And these guys are industrious players. Now Lacazette has not been giving you a great goal return for the better part of the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. So, if you're playing Lacazette, you need to bring in a flair player. For example, I would put in Nicola Pepe. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I look at it from Arteta's point of view and this is a team that has not won away in, you know, uh, five years and not won at Old Trafford for 14. 
So I think Arsenal can be forgiven for taking the pragmatic approach. Okay. But yeah, beggars believe that with people like Bua Mata on the bench, you know, Fred and McTominay are starting mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Now let me put you on the spot. And after this defeat at Old Trafford, another defeat. And by the way, uh, United have had the worst start since uh, I don't know 1978 or something. If I'm uh, if I'm correct. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit as an outsider. And I mean, I've obviously uh, seen all of United's games. I've listened to all the fan uh, reviews and videos. Videos. I've listened to all the fan podcasts and all the reviews and stuff. As an outsider. What is your opinion of uh, Ole Gunnar as a as a manager? How has he done so far in your opinion? Well, I don't uh, rate him too highly or too low, to be honest. I think you guys brought in somebody with a feel-good factor and a good value for nostalgia. He was untested, so really he has no credentials to rate him by. And if you rank him as per United's performances, he's been... As good or as bad as, let's say, the you know the the bad spell under Mourinho, or when Van Gaal got sacked, or when Moyes got sacked. So, I don't think it's down to him. It's just down to the poor recruitment. Mm-hmm. I don't think this United squad uh, is is worth anything. And you know, I would draw comparisons between Paul Pogba and Mesut Ozil. Mm-hmm. Two bona fide superstars who came with huge credentials from other leagues. Big money signings, big pay packets, and they've both flattered to deceive. So uh, you know, if you take apart, uh, take out Pogba, there is no player who, even on a let's say paper reputation, walks into any of the top ten squads of Europe. Yeah. So there, there, there it is. You don't have bona fide superstars, and the homegrown talent is just not good enough. I think we discussed a few points in our United episode as well that the board has not backed the manager completely. I mean, the signings that he wanted, the likes of uh, Haaland, for instance, and uh, Jadon Sancho. I mean, he was not backed enough and these uh, signings were not given to him. And instead, he was given signings uh, like, for instance, I think Solskjaer doesn't know what to do with Van de Beek, you know. I, I, I really don't know what uh, Van der Beek's uh, role was or what the intention is to uh, sign a player like Van der Beek and leave him on the bench because uh, where does he fit in? Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a defensive midfielder? Is he a... I don't know what he is. We just don't know. I mean, he comes in at 70, 75 minutes every game. He... I mean, I mean, I appreciate the man's uh, hustle. He really, uh, you know, goes for the ball and tries to do something. He did score a goal and uh, get us a draw. I, I forget what game that was. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, the signings that we've gone, Pelis 3, I mean, I've never heard of this guy. Cavani, for instance, I mean, he's a 33-year-old something. Fine, he's a world-class striker, but uh, I mean, it's it's not a solution, is it? In in the next two years, he's going to have, I mean, you're going to sell some shirts, he's going to score some goals, you're going to make some videos, and that's uh, pretty much it. It's not a solution. I think the manager has not been backed uh, by the board, and he's been given some really, uh, you know, weird signings, to be honest. You know, we saw this dithering in the transfer market cost Arsenal dear. Yeah. And I'm afraid the same is happening to United. Hmm. When you don't go after areas that need strengthening and instead go after, you know, fancy strikers and, uh, you know, young but untested talent, this is what happens. Uh, I would say even Arsenal's transfer dealings have been sketchy. 
when we needed a defensive midfielder, we went and bought Lacazette. We went and bought Nicola Pepe. When we needed, uh, you know, centre backs, we went and bought, uh, you know, again wing wingers. We bought uh, Kolasinac at left back. All of these guys were bought when the squad was crying out for a central defensive midfielder, mm-hmm. and that hasn't been fixed until this summer. So. Look at Arsenal and look at United. We've each got some eight centre-backs. Yeah. And not one of them would walk into the Liverpool squad or the City squad and stake a claim and say, look, I'm going to walk into your first team. Absolutely. And, uh, well, moving on. Speaking of bona fide superstars, uh, Chelsea, for instance, are uh, off to a flyer then against Burnley. Certain Hakim Ziyech coming in with a goal and an assist. Uh, did he impress you, and uh, are you considering him as your uh, in your in your fantasy Premier League team anytime soon? Very much so, and these are worrying signs for the rest of the table. And uh, uh, you know, Chelsea first uh, Timo Werner got off the mark. Uh, Pulisic is coming in after an injury, and now Ziyech is chipping in, and of course Havertz as well. It's it shows that all four of their new signings have bedded in. Mm-hmm. And that is a squad just bursting with superstars at every level. Yeah. And if they start clicking and put together a run of, you know, a few wins, they could be serious title challengers. Completely agree with you. Now, talking of uh, new signings, a certain signing that has made, I would say, the most uh, impact in any team has to be uh, Diogo Jota for Liverpool. He's chipped in again with another goal. He's won them the three points. Uh, at uh, you know playing at Anfield against uh, West Ham, no, he's he's off to a flyer. And obviously, when uh, Jota was signed, immediately the thought was, where is he going to play? He's just going to be part on the bench, maybe play some FA Cup and EFL Cup or whatever cup. But Jota has taken his claim, and he's uh, he's uh, in the playing eleven, and he's he's uh, come up with the goods for for Liverpool. You've read my mind, uh, brother. I mean, Diego Jota, what an inspired signing. Yeah. Who would have known that he'd be chipping in with goals this early in the season? I mean, yes, we knew that he's a certified Premier League player. He did very well for Wolves. And, you know, then this begs the question that if Jota was available, why did no other team go out and get him? Exactly. Yep, that's a very good point. And I think these are the players that uh, people kind of miss out on. For instance... If Gareth Bale was available on loan, why did nobody else go for him? For instance, if if James Rodriguez was available, why did nobody go for him? You know, and uh, another another case. For instance, Thiago Silva was available on loan. I mean, fine, he's thirty six, but he's a you know experienced defender. Something that United tend to kind of lack at the moment. You know, the the experience and the confidence at the back. So you know, these signings were up up uh, and available, but uh, nobody uh, you know did something about it. And uh, Talking about, uh, you know, doing something about it. Aston Villa almost did something about it after being 4-0 down at Villa Park against Southampton. Jack Grealish, that man again. Two assists and a goal and nearly a fourth. Well, that would have been something. That would have been something. And it uh, harks back to the infamous Newcastle-Arsenal game where Arsenal were coasting and 4-0 up. And a certain Czech Diote scoring the fourth. I I still can't uh, (laughs) forget that image of that uh, net-busting 25-yard goal. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, to be honest, it felt like Southampton switched off a little. Yeah. Uh, Villa were never in the game. And if uh, they'd gotten something out of this game, it would have been harsh on Southampton. Southampton were very comfortable for about 70-75 minutes. Mind you, Southampton uh, up to fifth now with 13 points from seven games. Tied on points with the former league leaders Everton, who didn't have uh, such a great start. And I remember we talked about how Everton would uh, cope without uh, the likes of uh, Hamas and uh, Dinia and Richarlison missing. And it uh, looks like they didn't. And Callum Wilson made them uh, made them pay. Well, I'll put my hand up and take the credit for calling this one right. I said that uh, Newcastle would get the better of Everton and they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot has been said against Ancelotti for picking five central midfielders. But to be honest, who else was he going to pick? Three of his first team players were injured, and this is the spine of the team from Dinia to uh, you know Hames uh, and Rizalison. So he's picked who he thought was best. He's gone uh, with five central midfielders, thinking that they one of them would link up with Dominic Calvert Lewin. But Newcastle shut them out pretty effectively, and even the goal they got was uh, no more than a consolation. Yeah, a little bit of a digress here for our FPL fans there. Turns out the red card for Luca Dean has been contested and it has been reduced to one game. So that means he is available uh, against Manchester United next game week. And a certain James Rodriguez is also available for the next game week. A person who isn't available is the man in form for Southampton, Danny Ings. Now he pulled up with with a knee injury. Uh, We don't know how serious it is. We don't know how long he's going to be out. But he is definitely out for the next game week. Now... It was bound to happen at some point. The story was written. The script was ready. Certain Gareth Bale shows up, gets that goal, gets those three points, gets three points for bonus in the FPL. I don't know how that uh, gets justified, but the man scored at the right time. Spurs uh, looked like they were struggling for a while against Brighton with the with the likes of Lamptey. Mind you, Mope was uh, missing from there from the from by from the Brighton lineup, but uh, they were a force to be reckoned with. And, and it was that uh, Gareth Bale header in the I don't know what is the eighty fifth minute or something. That uh, finally got them the third, got them the three points. Seventy three minutes. Sorry. Well, we knew that Bale is a bona fide superstar, and he's come back to a club that he loves, and he would love to perform well and uh, prove his worth to you know Zidane and everybody who's kept him out of the Madrid squad. I think he belongs at Tottenham. Mm-hmm. You know, the club love him. He loves them back. He's a bona fide Tottenham superstar. He's the only superstar they've produced this millennium. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think he'll do very well. And, you know, it's ominous signs. Now, I look at the table. Uh, Liverpool are up there. City with a game in hand, they'll get back up there. Leicester are up there. And Tottenham are up there. Yeah. And these four teams, Liverpool, Leicester, Tottenham and City, these four teams are as certified as any other team to finish in the top four. Now, you throw Wolves, Chelsea and to some extent... Spoilers like, you know, Aston Villa and Newcastle who can get a win at on their day. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you've got a league where anyone can beat anyone except probably West Brom and uh, Fulham. Yeah. And speaking of West Brom and Fulham, Fulham uh, winners 2-0 against West Brom, finally getting that first win of the season. A certain Mitrovic, who is a very popular pick for in our uh, Fantasy Premier League, but not for me anymore. Uh, came with the, with two assists and finally getting some points on the board, relieving some pressure on a manager and a player that I do kind of like, uh, Scott Parker. He was a good player for 
Fulham and uh, Tottenham for his uh, short spell. I do like this man, but I'm glad he's got off to a good start. Well, not a great start, but he's got his first win. I mean, that's going to relieve some pressure. And uh, then, of course, the final game of the game week was Leicester against Leeds at Leeds. No, Leicester 4-0. You know, uh, Yuri Tillemans uh, delivering the good stuff for, for Leicester. Well, uh, I think with Leeds, the law of averages is catching up with them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised at Leicester. I mean, these guys, they are the models to look at for great recruitment. You know, Leicester and Wolves. What squads have these guys built on next to no budget? Leicester unearthed the gems that were N'Golo Kante, Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy with his renaissance. And they've continued to hire well. You know, now you've got uh, Telemans, you've got... uh, Castagna. You've got... Castagna. Ashley Barnes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. these guys are great recruitments and Jamie Wadi, their talisman. I mean, what do I say about this guy? <laughs> I'm, I was really surprised. I mean, he was heavily linked with Arsenal after his breakout season, but uh, that move didn't happen. Now, if if Arsenal had uh, Jamie Wadi, like, I don't know, three or three or four seasons ago, I think it would have been a very different story. Well, you never know, you know. Arsenal's style of play is very different. And mm. Leicester, even in their title-winning season, they thrived on Mahrez and Wadi breaking at pace and getting those one-on-one or two-on-two situations. Arsenal have, you know, they've been good at counter-attacking in parts and bits and pieces. But normally, I think Arsenal have played possession football ever since the new core was built around Cesc Fabregas. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Vardy would have got the same success. I think now he's going to go on and become a legend at Leicester City. And mm-hmm. good for him, I say. Good for him. Absolutely. Good for him to sticking around and uh, you know sticking with the team where he won his uh, title with. Now, looking at the table, some semblance of normalcy, I would say, returning uh, to the Premier League. With uh, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, league leaders Liverpool back. Uh, the champions back uh, on top and uh, Everton, who have been leading so far, uh, down to fourth in just uh, just the uh, same game week. A bit of a, a lot of uh, upwards and downwards movement, but uh, for some very notable uh, big names like United and City, still far off, far from the pace. Mind you, both of them do have a game in hand, but uh, that remains to be seen what they do with it. It looks like... Liverpool, Leicester, Spurs and Everton, well, Southampton and Wolves and Chelsea for that matter, off to a great start. And uh, like you said, it's it's pretty much wide open at this point. It can be, I mean, it's going to be an interesting season to say the least. I mean, I was a bit worried when it was, uh, it was said in the news that England is going to go into another lockdown. I was thinking that, uh, you know, maybe the Premier League will stop as well, but turns out it's not going to stop. It is going to continue. And uh, well, I'd say good for us. Yeah, it's good news for all football fans that the league's going to continue. Now, some things that the table does not say are things that I'd like to point out. Uh, The team that has scored the most at this point of the season is Tottenham. Mm -hmm. And this is a team where Harry Kane is not even their top scorer. So, ominous signs there. Mm -hmm. The team in the top 10 that has scored the least after Wolves is Arsenal with nine goals. If you look at the clubs that have more goals than Arsenal, you have Leeds, Crystal Palace, you have Brighton, you have, uh, you know, all the the club all the way down on the 16th place has more goals than Arsenal. These Mm -hmm. are worrying signs. Then you've got Aston Villa who were flying high but have got back-to-back defeats. I think it's it's proper service that has resumed. Mm -hmm. 
and Wolves are keeping it tight at the back. In fact, they have the best defense in the top six. And the only team that has a better defense than Wolves at this point in time are Arsenal. <laughs> and this is a team that has gone to the Etihad, the, uh, it's gone to Anfield and Old Trafford. So, yes, improvements have been made, but I think we've gone a step in the other direction when it comes to our offensive promise. Yeah, that's true. And that's why uh, Wolves defenders are, you know, hot property in terms of the fantasy Premier League. I myself have held on to Max Kilman after I got rid of Roman Saiz. And uh, he has not disappointed. How was your Premier League, uh, fantasy Premier League this game week? How did your team do? Well, it was rubbish, to be honest. So, <laughs> because I had, I was faced with the whammy of uh, losing Rodriguez and Demir. Mm-hmm. And uh, also uh, looking at my uh, wildcard pick, which did not pay off, which was Ollie Watkins. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring back Kane because really uh, Spurs were the only outright contenders to pick a captain from. Mm-hmm. So, I was faced with the option of either making four changes and losing 12 points. Or playing a free hit. I decided to play the latter. And I revamped my team for this game week. Thinking that at least I'll hold ground for this week. But sadly nothing uh, transpired to that extent. I missed out on points garnered by Jack Grealish. Uh, I captained the wrong Tottenham player. Son choosing the wrong week to not score or assist. So yeah, I got a couple of picks wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Max Kilman for you was an inspired sub. I still had... uh, size in my team who didn't play so yeah all in all a week to forget for me right well in that respect my team has delivered pretty uh, good returns for the last three game weeks i've had 72 62 and 62 again for this game week. i'm quite happy with my team i think it's it's reached kind of a balance where i don't really need to tinker much you know i'm just like you know subbing players here and there uh, let's say the likes of Martinez as a goalkeeper, for instance, has given me double zeros for the last two game weeks. Maybe I might sub him for a cheaper defender, for a cheaper goalkeeper. But pretty much, all in all, my team seems to be on the on the up and up, uh, and I, I have climbed a lot of spaces in our in our uh, in our uh, FPL league. Now let's do a quick roundup of the of the Champions League matches, which, uh, mind you, are going to start in the next uh, couple of hours. To be honest. The match for uh, this game week, to be honest, that stands out is the game Real Madrid against Inter Milan. Now, if you look at that table, it looks like it's been flipped on its head. Real Madrid are fourth, Inter Milan are third with two games played. Now, this uh, they're going to play each other twice now, back to back. One side at Bernabeu and the other at uh, San Siro. Now, if... I mean, this this is going to be a decider, really. If one of them ends up in the Europa League, it's a massive, massive upset. Well, you heard it here first. The script is written. Mm-hmm. Gareth Bell goal to knock Madrid out of the Europa League. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let's see if that happens. Some other fixtures which are not very appealing to be honest. We're not going to get into that. Now, like we had mentioned uh, last game week, uh, uh, United are off to play Istanbul on Wednesday night. Or uh, yeah, Wednesday night. Now, they're going to play Istanbul twice now. And if they do win against Istanbul, they're in a very, very good position because PSG and uh, Leipzig are going to play each other twice. And if they cancel each other out, then United are pretty much done. And that's that's it for the group stages. Then they could probably uh, turn their focus on, on the Premier League. And this is one of the things we talked about against the United-Arsenal game that pretty much the entire playing eleven uh, played in the Champions League and again on the weekend, whereas only one 
of the Arsenal players featured in the Europa League fixture and the game at Old Trafford. Now, that is a big, uh, you know, a, a big advantage, I would say, in, in the Arsenal corner. It is an advantage. And, you know, you need to rotate players. This year, the Champions League also has begun late after, you know, with the Premier League. And, you know, if I were uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'd look at my Champions League group and I'd figure that I won the first two games, which, frankly, he wasn't expected to. And, you know, I would give this game away. Mm-hmm. There's no sense in taking a six-hour flight to Istanbul and then coming back and then going to... Uh, Liverpool to play Everton. You know, this is too much. So, because you've got six points from the first couple of games, you take your B team to Istanbul and leave your uh, A team to prep for Everton. That's what I'd do. Yeah, I'd, I'd suspect we'd see a, a weaker, sort of say, United uh, squad at Istanbul. I mean, let's say, let's be honest, they're not... Well, they're not a great team. They're not... Uh, I mean, I've never heard of them for, you know, before... And um, I suppose the B team could do the job. And if they do, it's a good chance for youngsters to prove themselves and, um, you know, maybe create some uh, a, a good kind of a headache for Solchar in terms of uh, picking uh, players for positions and, you know, picking some non-performing assets and maybe subbing them in the in the Premier League. You know, that might uh, be something Ole Gunnar might be looking for because, well, let's say the playing 11 sometimes are not up to it. So that's pretty much it. That's the review of the week of the game week and the Champions League that's coming up in the next few hours. Some really interesting fixtures. I, it's going to be really interesting where we stand uh, this time next week. Mind you, we are heading towards uh, an international break after this game week, uh, which is going to start on Friday again. We will discuss that in another episode. We will do a game week eight uh, preview for you. Brother, thank you so much for joining us and uh, good luck to Arsenal in the Europa League. Thank you so much, brother, and uh, all the the best to Man United as well for this week.